Welcome to the Real Talk Education Podcast, where we dive into the real topics facing real teachers, leaders, and students with your host, Marlena Gross, DEI champion, national ed thought leader, and founder of EduGladiators. Each week, we will discuss the topics that might be keeping you up at night as an educator or parent. This is not an echo chamber podcast. We will unapologetically examine the real challenges in education, plus provide insights and tips to help you navigate all the things, including curriculum, leadership, DEI, student engagement, advocacy, misinformation, and more. Pop in your earbuds or crank up your speaker because it's time to have some real talk about today's topic. Welcome friends, this is Marlena, your host for Real Talk Education, and I hope all of you had a wonderful winter break and are excited for the new year. So today's episode is a little bit unplanned as far as it's not what we originally had planned to start the year off, but it is as equally important. And so we're going to start the new year about a topic that we will continue to talk about throughout 2023, but now is a very fitting time to address how we approach the safety of our student athletes and how we prioritize that safety. You know, injuries are a common occurrence in sports. And so for all of the former athletes that might be listening and maybe even a few current athletes, you know that this is absolutely true. Well, in the NFL, it's especially common where players can be seriously injured and they can be injured in front of a large audience, both in person as well as the millions of fans that watch NFL games throughout the week. Well, this was the case for Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin, who collapsed on the field during a Monday night football game against the Cincinnati Bengals on January 2nd of 2023. It was immediately clear that this was a serious and potentially life-threatening situation. Athletic trainers and paramedics worked feverishly to stabilize Hamlin on the field before transporting him to the hospital. Now, if you were watching that game, you probably went through a range of emotions because I know that I certainly did. But fortunately, at the time of this recording, Hamlin is making a miraculous recovery. And this particular incident has brought to the forefront the question of safety for NFL football players and athletes in general, from the professional level all the way down to the K-12 level. So, you know, it's time to have some real talk about how important it is for schools to prioritize the safety of their athletes, both football players and all the other sports that are offered in our schools and have a comprehensive plan to support and prevent and address any injuries that might occur during a practice or during an actual live game. So in this episode of Real Talk Education, we're going to dive deep in how to protect our student athletes and how you can advocate and our review, depending on what your current role is in your school or district, the current practices 
that are in place right now in your school or district to support student athletes. So let's get started. High school sports and football in particular can be an extremely rewarding experience for student athletes. It can teach them discipline, teamwork, and physical fitness, but it can also provide opportunities for scholarship and even professional careers. However, it is important for high schools and middle schools and all the way down to peewee leagues to prioritize the safety of our kids and have a comprehensive support plan in place to prevent and address any injuries that may occur. I would often tell my boys as well as the athletes in the schools that I had the pleasure of teaching and are leading in that when you are a student athlete, it's not a matter of if you get injured, it's a matter of when and how you handle that. Well, when we think of sports injuries, particularly in football, normally concussion protocols are the topic of the conversation. And many states, particularly at the high school level, have some sort of protocol for concussions. However, DeMar Hamlin's collapse wasn't a matter of a concussion, but it did showcase another risk that too many student athletes have to navigate, and it can affect not just football players, but all student athletes across all sports. Cardiac arrest is a serious and potentially life-threatening condition that can occur in high school and college football athletes. And we're seeing and hearing reports more and more of student athletes, particularly at the high school level and even at the college level, that have incidents of cardiac arrest or other issues while practicing and or while playing. Cardiac arrest occurs when the heart stops beating and it results in a lack of blood flow to the body. Cardiac arrest can be caused by a variety of factors, including underlying heart conditions, dehydration, and overexertions. Or in the rare cases, it can occur at that special time when your heart is in between beats. The impact of cardiac arrest in high schools and college football athletes and any other sport athletes can be devastating because it can lead to injury or even death and can also have a significant emotional impact on the athlete's teammates, coaches, families, and spectators who might have witnessed that, much like millions of people did during the Monday night football game with DeMar Hamlin. In addition, cardiac arrest can have a long-term consequence for athletes, and these consequences can include the potential for permanent disability or the need for ongoing medical treatment. So as we think about how best to protect our student athletes, let's focus on three aspects that, as gladiators, we should review and or implement, if not already in place, to help keep our kids safe. So the first one is rethinking our approach to athletic physicals. A way to prioritize the safety of our student athletes is to actually revise the required physicals that our kids must undergo before participating in sports in schools. 
These physicals should not simply be a checkbox requirement, which is often how they end up, but rather it should be a thorough examination by a healthcare professional to ensure that the athlete is physically fit to participate in their sport of choice. This can include assessing the athlete's medical history, performing a physical examination, and possibly even ordering diagnostic tests to check for underlying conditions that could increase the risk of injury. But what often happens is it's a series of questions to a very busy health professional that results in checkbox of fitness for that student. When we think about cardiac arrest and preventing that in our youth, it's important for schools and local healthcare professionals to upgrade their process for physicals. Asking athletes if they have a family history of heart conditions is simply not enough. Screening athletes for underlying heart conditions must become the norm, as well as ensuring that student athletes have access to proper hydration and nutrition during their practice, as well as at home and during games, and implementing appropriate conditioning and training programs. It's also important to have trained healthcare professionals on hand at practices and games to quickly identify and respond to any potential injury or trauma, such as a concussion or a cardiac event. Now, I've always shared to my close friends and family that I wish our healthcare in our country was more preventative instead of being so reactive. Some of you that know me well know that I love Star Trek, so bear with me while I go down this very quick rabbit hole. One of the things that I love about Star Trek, and there are many, many things, but one aspect that I love when it comes to being healthy, right, is their invention of a tricorder, which is a a medical device scanner that literally is, in Star Trek world anyway, as accurate as an MRI and a CAT scan and all the different tests that we have to normally have several doctor's appointments for to get these different tests done and usually only done after we get approval from insurance companies. And I always thought, gosh, if we could just have like a tricorder that could just go over people in general, but especially our athletes, to see what is happening inside of our bodies, that would be so much better and would give people a chance to really be proactive about their health care. If there's a way to have our physicals adopt this type of methodology that is similar to the tricorder in the Star Trek universe, I think we would be in better shape. But until a tricorder is even is invented, there are things that we can do and that our healthcare professionals can do to help remove the barriers of getting diagnostic tests done and remove the the practice of having our physicals as simply a checkbox. Okay, soapbox ended. <laughs> the second area that I want to share and talk about and really push your thinking on is having athletic trainers at every game and practice. Athletic trainers are an essential part of a comprehensive support plan for student athletes and for athletes in general. Matter of fact, it was an athletic trainer, an assistant athletic trainer 
that was the first to start treating DeMar Hamlin when he collapsed on the field. Athletic trainers are trained healthcare professionals who specialize in the prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of athletic injuries. And athletic trainers should be present at practices and games to assess injuries, to provide first aid, and make recommendations for further treatment at a minimum. They can also provide education to the student athlete and coaches and teammates and families on injury prevention and proper conditioning to help all of our kids, all of our student athletes stay healthy. Now, if your school or district does not have an adequate budget for an athletic trainer at every game and practice, then there are a couple of things that you should consider. Number one being, should you really have that sport happening and should that practice be happening if there is not appropriate healthcare professionals there to support athletes should an injury occur? You can also consider developing partnerships with local colleges or healthcare professionals to provide this critical support. Coaches are not health professionals. Now, it definitely helps, and I feel that all coaches, both head coach and assistant coaches, should be trained and certified in first aid and CPR, but that is simply not enough. We must be committed to providing the best care for our student athletes. The third and final area I would like to focus on and again really push your thinking is around our established trauma response protocols. Now if we want to prioritize the safety of student athletes we have to have an established trauma response protocol in place. This protocol should outline each and every step that should be taken in the event of a serious injury such as a concussion or a broken bone and I would even add cardiac arrest. This could include providing immediate medical attention, contacting the athlete's parents or guardians, and properly documenting the injury. Now, another aspect of the protocol that we really don't talk enough about, because as I mentioned earlier, most states, most state athletic organizations for, uh, in particular, high school sports, uh, our sports in general for public schools have outlined very specific protocols around concussion, but they may not have in your particular state. And I would encourage you to check what those protocols are for any other type of serious trauma. And the piece that is often not included is the mental health support for teammates, for fans, for families who might witness a traumatic sporting event. Self-care and community connection are imperative after witnessing a traumatic sporting event. And the American Psychological Association actually released coping strategies after DeMar Hamlin's collapse on the field on January 2nd. Now, if you check out the show notes to this particular episode, you will see several links to several resources, including the guidance that the APA released after DeMar Hamlin's incident, but also several links to specifics around self-care 
and community connection strategies as well. But for this episode of Real Talk Education, I'm going to just review just a summary of the strategies that were mentioned in the American Psychological Association with a few extra tips added on as well to help support the comprehensive plan for your trauma response protocol to include a mental health support. So here's a summary of the strategies that was in this particular resource and it's broken down by stakeholder groups. So for teammates, for the teammates who are there in the game, no matter what that game might be and that experience one of their teammates uh, in a traumatic event, it is perfectly normal for the teammates who witnessed that event to be worried. It's, it's normal for them to feel anxious or even fearful. School counselors and other mental health professionals should be available in your school or district if your school or district sport team is navigating a traumatic event. And they should be available to help the teammates of that, that particular athlete own their feelings and teach them how to seek comfort through therapy or, or journaling or even meditation. There is an aspect of even survivor's guilt or PTSD that can accompany the teammates who witness their their teammate actually experiencing a traumatic event. And so that can't go without some type of mental health support. The second stakeholder group that the APA released coping strategies with after Damar Hamlin's incident, which again can be applied to all of our protocols that we might currently have right now in our schools and in our district, is having mental health supports for the parents of youth athletes. The number one question that many youth athletes, and maybe you might have asked yourself this if you were an athlete, is after witnessing a traumatic sporting event, could this happen to me, right? Or maybe this was triggering for you if you were an athlete and you watched the football game where this happened, or um, maybe you've seen and witnessed another traumatic event, whether in person or maybe you know on TV or recording or film or something like that. But you might have asked yourself, gosh, I remember when this almost happened to me or, or I had a teammate that this happened to. Well, it's really important that parents encourage and allow their kids, their, especially their youth athletes, to talk about their feelings. And parents should do more listening than speaking. The next step that parents have to take is to help their kids strategize ways to feel safe on the field. Now, I know it was a conversation in my household around, you know, if or when when, not an F, when, and as uh, DeMar Hamlin continues on his road to recovery. And once he's 100%, and if he gets, and hopefully he will get, the all clear to re-engage in the sport that he clearly loves, should he do it? Is he going to have this question of, you know, will this happen to me again? And we talked about in my household, what would we do if we were in this situation? Would we try to play and get back on the field. Well, what I can tell you is that as parents of 
athletes, of student athletes, it's really important to help your kids feel safe because again, it's not a matter of if you get injured, 90% of the time it's when you get injured and helping your helping your child that might be an athlete cope through that. And so for parents of youth athletes, it's important that you help your kids strategize ways to feel safe on the field. And again, check out the show notes and you'll see a link to a resource to help you strategize ways to help your kids feel safe. And it's helpful for parents to seek support from mental health professionals to help their child feel safe. I have a background in psychology, so it's much easier for me uh, to navigate this uh, with kids and even with my own kids, but that's not everybody's background. So as a parent, do not feel that you can't get help or you're less of a parent if you have to ask. Ask questions, seek out the help of mental health professionals to help your athlete feel safe on the field, especially after witnessing a traumatic event, whether it's on their team or on TV. And then lastly, the third strategy that the American Psychological Association shared is for spectators, for the fans. I watched it on TV and I know that I was deeply affected and I was just one of millions, both watching on TV as well as those that were in the stadium. It's important for fans or spectators to express their feelings to family, to friends, or or even therapists if appropriate. According to the National Center for PTSD, repeatedly watching media coverage, including social media posts of traumatic events, can actually exacerbate a person's stress reactions. And this is not limited to repeatedly watching a traumatic sports event. This could be repeatedly watching um, any type of traumatic event, such as like 9-11 or any type of bombing or something like that. So one uh, one way that as, as spectators or fans, um, that if you are a spectator or fan and maybe you watch the game, the NFL game, If you haven't done this already, I would encourage you to just simply avoid repeatedly viewing the event on social media. One of the things that I, and I love football, but one of the things that I really hate is when they keep replaying a bad injury. It's important to stop that, to stop repeatedly viewing that because it's just going to make you um, more stressed, actually. This is where positive community connection really comes in. Because when we watch things or experience uh, traumatic events, especially uh, if it's a shared event like an NFL game or like maybe a Friday night football game or a midweek basketball game, whatever the case might be, it's important that we do what we need to do, much like the players to have our self-care. So to talk to friends and family or even a therapist, if that's appropriate, But it's also important to have a positive community connection to a shared traumatic event. It's actually a crucial next step. And it's appropriate for fans to demonstrate their humanity by contributing to charitable organizations or taking action that they can do together to help get through uh, the stress of watching something so traumatic. 
So for instance, for DeMar Hamlin, he was in the process of raising $2,500 for uh, a daycare in his hometown in Pennsylvania. And it's actually the daycare where his mom works to provide Christmas gifts and other supplies to the kids and the daycare workers there at that facility. Well, after this traumatic event that he went through, within literally five days, he had more than just doubled or tripled the amount that he was raising. Fans, NFL players, both current and former players, businesses, community members started contributing to his fundraiser and his goal of hitting $2,500 actually has ballooned to at the time of this recording to over $8 million. Positive action has proven very effective in helping to build community connection after a shared traumatic event. And it is a crucial, crucial piece of coping skills that's needed for especially fans and spectators. Overall, it is important for schools, for organizations that serve youth, little league athletes like peewee athletes to prioritize the safety of their athletes with a comprehensive plan. And that comprehensive plan has to include the elements discussed in today's episode. So it has to include rethinking how athletic physicals are done. It has to include in this comprehensive plan how athletic trainers are used at games and at practices. It has to include an an emotional mental health piece of trauma response protocols, as well as just the established protocol, but the mental health supports needed for teammates, for parents, and also for fans when they witness or when they're engaged in a traumatic event. By taking these steps, schools can help to prevent and address injuries and provide a safe an enjoyable experience for their student athletes. The research is very clear that particularly in high school, students actually come to school because they are involved, right? They're engaged in either athletics or the arts or some type of club. The search for community, right? Because at the end of the day, being part of an athletic team is really being part of a smaller community. That's what keeps kids in school. For most kids. And it's our job as edgy gladiators to make sure that that experience is safe and enjoyable so they can learn all of the great lessons and, hey, maybe even have scholarships or other opportunities available to them for participating. Well, that's all for today. And I'd love to know what your takeaways from this episode were. Take a screenshot of this episode and tag us on social media at Gladiators with what your next steps will be to advocate and or review your current plan or safety protocols for your student athletes. 
Also, be sure to subscribe to the Real Talk Education podcast so you'll never miss an episode. And share this episode with a friend. Share it with your principal. Share it with your district leader. Share it and advocate and make sure that what you're doing in your school or district truly is creating a safe place for all students and in this case in particular for your student athletes.